When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. This is our grading the game special. We do these after each game, and we talk about the offense, the defense, and the coaching, assigning a letter grade. We've broken down by position before, but this time we're going to keep it higher level and kind of discuss what makes up the grade in a bit more detail. Now, there are some things that we first want to say. First and foremost, a huge... um, you know, shout out to Tyler Shuck for trying to battle through that leg injury. The fact that he even tried to throw one more pass there is a testament to he's a tough kid. You know, whatever you think about how he played, that's the last thing anybody should have ever wanted for him. Injuries really derailed his careers. Thoughts and prayers are with him. That's just awful, you know, to have to keep suffering through that. I think he's going to go down as one of those what could have been things for this program. He just couldn't, he just couldn't stay healthy. The injury bug was with him all his entire career. He just, that's just unlucky. At some point, it's just a matter of luck, and he he just didn't have it, um, which is just truly awful for him. He really battled to get back this year um, and was looking forward to a really promising continuation of his career, hopefully. But, you know, it, it's just aw- an awful situation and one that you, the entire program is really disappointed to see. That's just not how you want that to end. You know, if he's going to end up, you know, losing his job or whatever, anybody who wanted was okay with it being from injury was, it's just not okay. You know, that's, that's, if he's going to lose a job, it needs to be football related. He's a great kid. And it's just awful that this is how it went down. Um, so really, you know, we're all rooting for his recovery. I, I saw six to eight weeks. I'm willing to bet he won't play again in a Red Raider uniform, regardless of the timeline. It just doesn't seem likely, but we'll see what happens when the future holds for him. I'm, I'm wishing him well. That that was pretty gruesome, the replay for that. I, I only saw it the one time before I think ESPN wisely realized they can't show it. It was just truly nasty. So, you know, I'm, I hope, I hope he's, I hope the recovery is a smooth process. Maybe he can still have a chance at the NFL if he can, you know, get his leg back underneath him fast enough in time to prep for the draft. Maybe CFL ranks somewhere to continue his, his professional career like he always planned. It would just be awful to see a guy with that much p- potential completely derailed by yet another injury that already messed up his development to such a degree. It's just really hard to watch. Well, with that unpleasantness out of the way, we now can get in the unpleasantness of the game. The offense is going to suck up a lot of the discussion, so we'll probably get to that last. We're going to start on the defensive side of the ball, where there are some actual positives to focus on. As a reminder, Texas Tech would lose 20-13 to 13 after a 4th and 11, or 4th and 10, but 4th from the 11, did not convert into a touchdown. The Red Raiders would fall to West Virginia on the road. West Virginia, for its part, was almost as bad as Tech offensively. Uh, Mark Yule had only 78 yards passing. In fact, 21 of the 99 total passing yards for West Virginia came on a trick play downfield from a wide receiver pass on the ground. Mark Yule led the way for the Mountaineers with 72 yards rushing, averaging 4.8 per carry. So it was a pretty great defensive showing, to be honest. She gave up 20 points, 13 of which came in the first half in a first three quarters of this game where Texas Tech did not really touch the ball for more than a couple of seconds before punting again. Uh, let's, let's go to you first, Jack. How are you grading out the overall defense? Let's talk about what you saw and then start diving into this discussion a bit more. You know, I think, honestly, I'm going to give them a B plus. Uh, unfortunately for this defense, they've played well enough, and I'll stand by this. I think that anyone asked me, uh, I think that, this defense has played well enough to win all four games. And I, and I truly believe that they've put the offense in a spot to do it. And the offense just hasn't followed, followed through. Uh, You mentioned we'll touch on the offense later on, but 
I think the defense has really played well. I was really I was really excited about the adjustments made at halftime. Uh at at some point you're talking about seven points in the first quarter. I think they kicked or they scored six in the second and seven in the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. So uh I really think they played they played so well and I just think that last drive that West Virginia went down there and scored after we had uh you know after we had tied it I I just I think that or I guess that we had made it uh 13 to 10 I should say before they before they went down and made it 20 to 10 I I just think that they got tired I think that they the time of possession battle finally wore them out you're talking about it a defense that was out there for I would have had to have guessed 30 at least 35 minutes of this game if not longer um I, I, but it felt like more than that right it felt it felt like they were out there for like 50 minutes of the 60 and so you know if it felt like that and looked like it to us just imagine how it felt to them actually being out there um, despite that you force two turnovers, I would say three, possibly four, but uh, you got credit for two of them, uh, and you held that West Virginia team to 256 yards. Let's preface this, though, guys. West Virginia is not good. They're not a good team. Their offense is terrible. You're playing a backup quarterback. That's why I keep it at a B plus, maybe even a B. Uh, just strictly because of the level of competition and you're playing a backup that couldn't beat out Garrett Green for a job. Uh, but he was good enough to beat your team. So you take what you can get. Um, like I said, I, I give him a B. Um, and again, I'll stick by the fact that this defense alone, the defensive effort alone is has been good enough on this side of the ball. This team should be four and and I'll stick by that to anyone that asks. Yeah, I think that a B plus is a pretty fair assessment. Um, I'm going to give it a B plus as well. I'd like to give it a better grade because I think it, it's really hard to say that the defense did a lot wrong, but they had West Virginia had that long opening touchdown and that uh, that go ahead touchdown in the fourth that would end up being the deciding factor after Tech had finally managed to get a drive together. That was a tough one in particular that second drive that they scored on just because you know Tech self inflicted so many wounds on the drive. I think there were one, I think there were two or three penalties that allowed that touchdown. Now that was as one sided of an officiating matchup i've ever seen that 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 was embarrassingly bad for the conference and it was unacceptable to watch the, how that game was called west virginia held regularly on every snap tech was the only one that could get called for it it just it just wasn't good you didn't lose because of the rest but it needs to be said that that didn't help you and it hurt the defensive effort in a big way on that drive it just felt like you, you just couldn't buy a break without another piece of linen on the field um West Virginia benefiting from those scoring that last touchdown hurt. And the other thing I will say is you still continue to be completely unable in pass rush to actually impact the game in a real meaningful way, because here's the reality of the situation. Quarterback pressures are great, but if you're never getting a sack off of them and the quarterback is regularly just breaking contain and getting upfield, it's effectively not that big of an impact on the game. If you're going to rush a quarterback, keep contained and force Aaron throws, which did happen on once or twice here. Um, that's great. But tech regularly is getting to the quarterback and then just not finishing, just not getting the tackle, losing contain. Like I said, Mark Eels had 72 rushing yards. Several of those yards came on a couple of carries, which were designed, but he had plenty where he just broke the contain and rolled out or was able to throw it away. Now, that's the downside of this defense. The plus side is I largely agree with the assessment that you're playing well enough to win. You knew what West Virginia's game plan was going to be, and you saw it early in that first half. They just ran right at you. After that opening half, Tech basically dialed in. Donaldson was a non-factor in this game. Anderson was a non-factor in this game. The West Virginia offense was a non-factor in this game. You lost because you were fundamentally unable to move the ball on offense, which we'll talk about at length here in a minute. 
So it's really hard to be too disappointed when West Virginia attempted to execute a game plan and you just completely shut it down. And like, well, what are we supposed to really nitpick? I like to nitpick the pass rushing because we just were told so much about this defensive line and they just haven't really been a factor at all in a pass rush. Now, Hutchinson and Bradford in the middle are just as good as advertised. You know, that's why this run game for West Virginia, which is a very good running team. So, you know, C.J. Donaldson's maybe arguably the best back in the conference. He just plays for the shittiest team, so we don't notice him. But they have a great offensive line that's very experienced and a really, really good running back, and you just sniffed it out. They couldn't get it anything going in the second half. Really, after that first drive, they didn't really get anything going on the ground with their running backs. I thought Donaldson might have also gotten a little banged up. Um, I think there was a period where he wasn't in the game. But regardless, you went up against a one of the more experienced offensive lines in the nation and really just shoved them around and prevented them from getting anything going to the point of attack. But the problem of course is being the passer side. And, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to the secondary here, right? Like you did pretty well until that last drive, you could just see exhaustion playing out that last drive. Those couple of big mental lapses allowed that touchdown to happen besides the penalties, which may or may not you back may or may not been ticky tacky a few of the times, but exhaustion played such a big role in what happened to the defense in this game. It's really hard to want to punish them and say, Hey, you know, you went up against an offense that's like Iowa level bad. Couldn't you, you kept one more touchdown off the board. You gave up 20 points in which West Virginia controlled so much of, of, the, the actual game after the for, for I think, you know, time of possession alone is doesn't even tell the story. Us all watching it can tell you the story is just you couldn't every time the defense made something happen for you, the offense gave up all the momentum right back. And even if West Virginia was was so bad offensively, I think time of possession is pretty even. You know, I don't know what the average is for split in college football, but how how many times did the defense make a fantastic play? And I'm I'm about to tweet. Wow, I, I I think this is a moment to really spark this team. And before I could even get the tweet out, we'd already gone three and out again. So it's really hard to beat up on the defense for too much. There were mental lapses. The pass rush is still a factor. Depth is still a factor. But you're doing what you're supposed to do through four games. You Oregon is maybe the most efficient offense in the nation from what I've seen. They just don't fuck up and they really play extremely well and you contain them. You shut down Wyoming. Tarleton was a non-factor. West Virginia's offense was a non-factor. What are we supposed to do if if only giving up 20 points in which the defense or the offense just regularly didn't show up isn't enough? So uh, a huge credit to Tim DeRuiter, uh and what his staff is doing, kind of changing the, the, the culture of this program for the defense to really thrive. Because I, I still think, you know, the starters are as good as anybody's. I still think Tech lacks true depth in this side of the ball. So to be doing this despite the lack of depth is really, really impressive. So, Joe, we're going to switch the conversation. I just mentioned it. How are you grading out Tim DeRuiter's performance as a defensive coordinator in this game? Um, a solid A. I mean, just like you guys both said, the the game got better. You know, adjustments were made. If we were making tackles, they're two big dogs that run the ball very, very well, like you said as well. They were shut down. I mean, it's it's just a testament to what he could do and a testament what he's able to do with youth as well. Because, you know, our linebacking cores is as, as youthful as they come um, that Tex had in a while. And they're holding their own. I mean, between Josiah and Ben Roberts, I think it was like 23 or 24 tackles between the both of them on the game. And then if you start throwing in other guys like um, Matthews and Ty Kana and Dingle, um, those kinds of guys as well, you're over over 30 tackles for, you know, your core linebacking group. And that's pretty good considering how young they are. Yeah, I know Josiah's the older, the old guy in the room, but I mean, Ben Roberts, in theory, shouldn't be doing what he's doing. You know, he's making plays like a second or third year player, like a Josiah Pierre. And he's a redshirt freshman, you know, so it's just a testament to DeRuiter. And, you know, that mantra on that side of the ball, I guess, I know that McGuire and they all say, you know, next man up, next man up. But I mean, this is truly a next man up mentality on the defensive side of the ball. And I see a lot of the younger guys um, taking full advantage of getting out on the on the playing field. So and those guys are just going to get better. You know, that's the crazy thing. You know, they were they're good now. And, yeah, they had a youthful moment there on that last touchdown. They missed the tight end coming out, 
and you know that was an easy pitch and catch for Mark Hall but you know that's also just you know a youth thing I'm not saying that it you know that that could be fixed that more playing time that they have but the Rooters done done good I mean if I told you that we were going to hold our first well hell not even just our first I mean just on average the teams playing against us, including that Oregon offense, you know, to under 25 per game. I mean, you feel pretty good about where you you're sitting standing wise, given the kind of offenses that we've had in the past, you know, now that doesn't technically show this year, but I mean, if you're looking at the grand spectrum of everything, then yeah, we should be easily three and one or even potentially four and oh, but you know, we haven't scored the ball, which we'll get into here shortly, but I think Tim DeRuiter's done an excellent job on calling games, making adjustments when need be, and getting the most out of the youth that he has that, you know, we're kind of just thrown into the fire there. I think Jack mentioned this in his talk, which was the, the, the adjustments made at halftime. West Virginia was finding success in the first half, and then they had to make pretty substantial adjustments to how they were choosing to attack West Virginia and the, the adjustments work. Neil Brown's a terrible coach. That West Virginia coaching staff largely sucks ass. That's a bad football team. So it was a great sign for tech to take advantage of the matchup in that second half and just completely snuff out that offense. And I, I, I Tim DeRuiter has done wonders for tech defensively at the cultural level i think that there are flaws in how he sometimes approaches the game aggressively you know the lack of quarterback spies and some of the issues there but you you can't really fault results and the results are that the defense is better than it's been in a very long time and again i think that's still you know true despite the fact that there isn't a lot of depth you're talking about a lot of young guys with to fill role and big shout outs to these young guys are doing it ben roberts in particular is really doing a just outstanding job. Uh, and I'm not saying that it wasn't planned for him to get some minutes this year, but I have to imagine the plan has not involved in playing as much as he has been with injuries. You just don't have the luxury of being careful with some of these guys. Braylon Lux, another guy who's played very well, despite being kind of a reserve uh, pickup off the portal that you never really expected to see substantial minutes going towards. It's, it's, it's really impressive. Now he's not a young guy, but point being, he's just, these are guys that you just weren't accounting for. And Tim DeRuiter's helped and his staff have helped coach them up and get them ready to go. And he's, made the met the most of a, of a program that is still rebuilding. I think we forget how bad tech was a couple of years ago because of the fact that last season, Joey McGuire won, I believe it was four, one possession football games. Um, and, and that just was an anomaly as much as TCU got a lot of crap for being as lucky as they were. Tech was a lucky football team last year. In a lot of ways, they overachieved. That was not a team that had any business winning some of the games it did. And McGuire got it done, but through culture, through coaching, through just having the balls to make certain calls. And I think because of that, we were sold a certain thing about this program that just isn't true yet. You you have to keep recruiting. You have to keep building. And that's why I'm not disappointed about this season to the degree like, oh, well, the expectations weren't true because I can respect the fact that, okay, we overachieved last year. There's still a chance that this program still gathering depth and getting ready for year three, which will be a make or break year. But it, we're going to talk about how you're losing being the problem, but it, it's not Tim DeRuiter's fault. And he, he's, he's done the job he's been asked that's been asked him of and more even more than that. And Jack talked about the turnovers. That's McGuire's thing. Take three. And it, you had a couple of turnovers taken away in this game, or you really would have succeeded where tech wants to, they want to be aggressive. They want to force turnovers. So the brand, what, what Tim DeRuiter brings to the brand, he, he's living up to the billing. Now the offensive side of the ball is going to be a pretty brutal discussion. So we're going to move over there. It's going to be the longer part of the show. And I'm going to give everybody a chance to really weigh in here. Jack, we're going to start with you grading the offense, giving your take on what's been going on. I'm sure we'll kind of overlap and be a bit repetitive. But I want to give both of you guys and myself a chance to really talk about what, we, what we're seeing with this offense. I think we're all in agreement here. You lose to West Virginia. Hell, if you're not in agreement here, I, I, I really don't know what to say. Uh, but we all agree that the offense is responsible for this loss. So let's get into how and what their grade actually is. Jack, how ugly was it? What are you giving them? Yo, what the fuck? was that like i'm i'm sorry but that i had i have to open up with that but i don't know what else to say truly 
I I was almost speechless watching this game. You know, you're so you're there, right? So this is a team that flies in, you know, two days before a game or a day before, even in some cases. But I mean, two days before, you know what the weather's gonna be like. You understand that you have a game plan. You have. I think we're all in agreement here. You have an all Big 12 running back. He finished the game with 25 carries for 150 yards. That's not, like, debatable here. It's not. I don't understand why your freshman quarterback... I Am I upset that Tyler Shutt got hurt? Yes, I am. Do I also think that I would have probably liked Morton not to start this game, but kind of like a little shot in the arm for the team? Maybe at some point, yeah. Um, I don't think he was anticipating playing the entire game or, you know, whenever Shuck got hurt in the second quarter. But this is a kid that's, he's not bad. He won games for you as a starter last year. And I don't know if I've ever seen someone who has come in off the bench and stiff a head coach, or not a head coach, a coordinator, when you're coming off the field. There's a point in time, and I don't remember at what point in the game this was, but it was sometime in the second half. And Morton's coming off the field after three and out, and he obviously didn't agree with the play call. And judging by his Zach Kitley kind of like offered a hand like for a like for a hey at a boy or whatever, and Bear Morton just stiffed him, just walked right by him, didn't look at him, didn't say a single word to him. And I think that shows a couple things. I think it shows, number one, Morton doesn't have the keys like Tyler does. Uh, Also to be expected, he's younger. He's only in his second year of college. Tyler Shuck's a sixth-year guy. Understandable on on that front. But I truly think that there are some systemic issues in this offense right now. And they are glaring. I don't, I just don't think that Zach Kittley can game plan for a running back. I don't think he knows how. And, and that's the thing I was thinking about this uh, the other day and I was talking to it with some people and I said, you know, when Kittley was at HBU and uh, Western Kentucky, you know, he had, he had Bailey Zappi. So he had a guy that was comfortable sitting in the pocket throwing the ball 60 times a game and could he could he scramble at times yeah but this is also a an offense that has never like he doesn't really run an offense like centered around a running back or that is focused on getting running backs touches right most of the time when running backs get touches in this offense it's on you know little swing passes out in the flat or maybe as a check down option but Taj Brooks is good enough to get 30 carries a game right now. He's averaging, I don't even know, I, don't, I haven't even looked what he's averaging at for the season because I think it'd make me physically sick to realize how little we're feeding this kid the ball and the situations around this offense. Um, I also want to touch on the absolutely atrocious play calling on the last drive. Uh, when we got down there inside the 10, I'm thinking, and you throw the ball three straight fucking times. Like, I can't imagine a better scenario to hand the ball off to Taj Brooks than inside the 10-yard line when you're down by seven points. Um, I, Again, I think this all just circles back, and, and if y'all want to, if y'all want to touch on this, that's fine. If not, that's cool, too. Uh, but that's what I was thinking back to. I just don't think he can game plan for a running back. I truly don't. And I think a little bit of inexperience is showing. 
I think that the lack of adjustments is showing. You're talking about going up against power five coordinators and make it. I 100% agree with you. West Virginia's coaching staff is a joke. Absolutely terrible. Neil Brown, regardless of if they win, I mean, Neil Brown should have lost his job last year. He's terrible. He's a terrible head coach. And his and that's why Graham Harrell got the hell out of there. And I don't blame him for leaving Morgantown to go to Purdue. But I don't think that Zach Kitley can make the adjustments at half like other Power 5. De- I, like when, if, if you were to compare him to a Power 5 defensive coordinator, we just spoke on this. The adjustments that Tim DeRuder made at halftime, I you but the thing you don't see that on the offense. You don't see anything else. It's just like he he's stuck in a rut and he has decided to live and die by this route. I mean, yeah, you saw Taj Brooks get a couple more touches in the second half, but not really that much to make a difference. And when it came to crunch time where he could have made a huge difference, he was just ignored like he has been all season. Um sorry, I kind of ranted there and rambled, but um that's just all my thoughts kind of word vomit also um i want to go back and kind of touch on the weather thing i don't think if it's rainy and 55 degrees out that you should be asking your your sophomore quarterback to throw the ball 37 fucking times uh i would rather see probably half of those passes go into runs and i understand that baron morton has the ability to check down a certain I mean, he doesn't have the full reign, like I mentioned, but he's got some. So maybe you say, hey, man, it's 55 and raining. Hand the fucking ball off and see what happens. Because Taj Brooks could have won us that game. Taj Brooks should have won us that game. And quite frankly, what I'm seeing from this offense right now is making me physically ill watching these games. You know, I I think that what happened against West Virginia is the biggest indictment of a problem we've been seeing for over a year with Zach Kitley. I had the pleasure of talking to Hithloday, who uh, writes for Addicted to Quack. He's, he, if you follow, I think, college football Reddit, you've seen his stuff otherwise, too. But he watches extensive amounts of film. So I had the chance to talk to them heading into the Oregon game. And he said that, you know, he had happened to watch Kitley's film at Western Kentucky because Oregon's running back coach was on that staff. So he had watched a bunch of their film. I think pretty much all of the Bailey Zappi film to get a feel for how that worked. And his take on it after watching the tech film was that Kitley's regressed substantially as a coordinator when it came to this level. And I think that that's the kindest way to put, he just isn't fucking up for this job. He's just not, he he's just not. And he, I don't know what advantage he even brings to the, the table at all. One of the things I talked about on that podcast, we've been talking about it for a while is the run schemes that tech chooses. They're fucking stupid. It's just awful. It's so dumb to me that we have an offensive line that can't block that power run scheme. They didn't do it against West Virginia. If you watch this game, how many times does Taj Brooks have to wait for an offensive lineman to get the hell out of his way because we won't scheme it? And Brooks is still averaging on the season 6.8 per carry. He's got 400 yards. He can barely get the ball, and he's got 400 yards. And if you want to talk about, well, he doesn't have that many yards against better competition, I'd agree because he had 17 touches for the first three weeks, the first two weeks of the year. When he finally got touches, his average didn't drop. He averaged eight against Tarleton, six against West Virginia. He had 11 against Oregon with only six carries. And that's, that's kind of what we're getting at here. And he finally got a bulk of touches. He had 25 carries in this game, but the problem is I think I saw he had maybe three in the first half. And this is what we're talking about. I've seen people argue this and the people who are arguing this are just missing the boat. How many drives stalled and failed in the, in the first half? How many drives never got off the ground in the first half? Pretty much all of them, right? You know, they they never successfully sustained a drive in the first half. So we just spun our wheels, punting back to West Virginia, punting back to West Virginia. You're telling me, and look, look what happened in the second half, right? You, you, you still 
don't have a great game with Baron Morton trying to settle in, but the second Taj Brooks starts getting the ball, your average time of possession increases dramatically. The drives that are successes increases dramatically. 10 points isn't a lot, but fuck me, when you only scored three to date, that's a pretty big amount, you know, and that, that that's that's... It's not even about drives that end in points. It's about your ability to flip the field. My dad and I were watching this game together, and I think he said it best. They field positioned us to death. They were counting on the fact that Tech could not flip the field because they couldn't get a first down. So we just kept punting them closer and closer and closer. And West Virginia figured our offense is shit, but maybe if they give us the ball in the 50 one of these times, it's going to work out. And it damn near did. If that wasn't one of the worst offenses I've ever seen, Tech would have lost this game by 30 because the defense just couldn't have held up. If that offense wasn't literally completely incompetent, Tech would have lost this game by 30. It just, just love some large numbers is the, that many possessions given away between the first half and when Tech finally started to move the ball offensively, riding Taj Brooks, they should have scored at least another 20 points on you just because they have the ball that many times and that much plus field position. The only reason this game was not one-sided, even to such an extreme degree, was because West Virginia is awful. I'm not certain they'd beat Wyoming on a neutral field. That is a really, really bad football team coached by a guy who should not still have his job at the end of the year, but might bail himself out. And if you're like, well, they played a couple, they, they beat Pitt. Pitt can't... It, the two teams they have beat have been the only two teams to put up worse offensive performances than they did. And it, it just... And, embarrasses me that we can't the only guy who can't seem to see see it is Zach Kitley the only grade you can give the offense an F because the only guy on the offensive side of the ball doing his job it really is Baron is really is Taj Brooks Baron Morton it wasn't given a chance in this game do you know how hard it is to come in cold off the bench in a quick change when you've gotten no reps with the ones all year? Because here's the thing. Once that quarterback decision is made, Baron Morton's not throwing to one receivers, and he's not playing behind the number one offensive line. When Joey McGuire said, Shuck is our guy, Tyler Shuck got every rep from there on. There's no way they've been splitting reps in practice. You don't do it that way. That's just not how it's done. That's not an indictment of the staff. Nobody does it that way. Once you have your guy, he gets every rep because that's who you've got to get ready. QB2 gets QB2 reps. He's, his job in the event he has to come in is just to stop the bleeding. But how do you help a guy like that stop the bleeding? Well, I know what the fuck you don't do, and that's ask him to throw the ball all over the yard. It almost seemed like Baron Morton came in and Zach Kittley wanted to stick it to the fans who had been calling for him to come in the entire time because he immediately put this kid in the worst possible position to play. And Morton was stiff. For the entirety of those early ha early drives. But you saw later on when he started to warm up a bit and Taj Brooks softened up the defense, how much better he looked as the game progressed because more experience, more time, the conditions improved. I know they were talking about it. It got a bit drier, so it wasn't slick. But here's the thing. Despite the fact that West Virginia is just not good against the pass, Tech only had 160 passing yards in this game, and they averaged 4.3 yards doing it. Excuse me, 3.7 if you include Shucks, three yards of passing. So despite the fact that we went up against one of the worst secondaries in the nation, we couldn't throw the ball because we had a backup quarterback who wasn't prepared for the moment, because of course he wasn't. You can't be prepared for that. Not really. In the fucking rain! And it, it just, it's unacceptable. Kitley should have been fired after this game. It's a joke, and it's borderline intentional. When I talked to Heffladay, who watched all the film, the number one way he put it was, it was mind-boggling how much worse of a job Kitley does at self-scouting, self-analysis, how much worse his system's gotten. And I think that, you know, against Oregon, I thought we started to see what would happen when Kitley recognized where this team needed to go and started to try to open things up a bit. But the the... The all-time worst moment in that game is that fourth down failure, the four-down failure there at the goal line with two timeouts on the 11. It's not even a question that you hand the ball off. I don't claim to be worth a million dollars or 500000 or $300,000 an offensive coordinator, but nobody with a pulse thought that was the right decision. And when you only put up 13 points otherwise, there's nothing to balance it. There's no defense for what happened in that game. He's not doing his job. The offensive line also 
not playing particularly well, not trying to throw everything just in the offensive corner. Receivers, there are a couple of drops in this game. Baron Morton did not play well in this game. That's just reality. Regardless of how he does going forward, he wasn't great in this game. We'll have to see long-term if all of us were wrong, hoping he would get the ball instead of Shaq. Because you know what they say, when God wants to punish man, he rewards their prayers. So who knows what's going to happen. But right now, Taj Brooks in this game, was averaging six yards a carry. And honestly, most of those carries were busted. I didn't see many open running lanes. I don't know about the rest of you. I never saw them. And Brooks was still finding ways to get six yards a carry. We had the ball at the 11. West Virginia full bailed into coverage because they knew we weren't going to hand it off. That's all they could do to protect their secondary. They full sold out to get back. We were playing against light boxes and a secondary that was on its heels in order to protect against the pass. Taj Brooks scores in two handoffs if he's given the ball. I can almost guarantee it. And you had two timeouts. So even if it didn't work, say you handed it off on first or second down and West Virginia just completely shut it down. You had the timeouts to make up for that, and you gained nothing by doing what Tech did. Yes, there was a great play in the end zone to break up one pass on Mason Tharp. Yes, uh, uh, I believe it was Fungi mistyped his timed his jump. Fungi or Bradley, I don't remember who was going up for that ball. York. Mistimed their jump. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. It, it was York. York, that's who it was. Mistimed their jump. It was clear he he, he sh- if he waits one more second, that's complete. And yes, Barron maybe should have taken a little bit off that ball. All those things are still true. It still could have worked out in your favor, but you went the hard way. We make this shit look so hard because Zach Kittley refuses to take what a defense gives him. And that, to me, is a fireable offense. I'm so fucking tired of somebody pretending that they're the smartest guy in the room when all they are is just an average offensive coordinator who's overwhelmed by the job, who's not getting it done. I wanted him fired. I still want him fired. We need a hell of a showing the rest of the year to have any justification for keeping him. All right, Joe, we've had our chance to rat and rave. You're going to get yours. I listened to your preview. You had a lot of thoughts on this matter, so I'm not going to expect you to reiterate all of them on the offensive side of the ball, but I will give you another chance to kind of refine your point. Yeah, I mean, you guys kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, uh, whenever I went on my little rant the other night on our offensive side of the ball, you know, I did touch on the four passes on the 11-yard line with two timeouts and things like that. And even, I believe, McGuire said in his press conference yesterday that he would have liked to run the ball at least two times there. And then, you know, I kind of – I feel that same sentiment, but I also didn't see it out on the field. I mean, you're the head fucking coach. You should make that call. Hey, he's he's gouging this defense at least once. Do something, you know. And that didn't happen. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. That's ultimately the demise. I mean, that there is why we squandered off that W. We could have came back and just put the ball in the end zone. I believe, I truly believe Taj puts it in in, in the first or second carry. Like, spread him out, hand the ball off to Taj, and just let him go to work, and he's scoring a touchdown. And then there's also another play there. Um, I don't quite remember when. Um, it was a third down or something, and we throw a fade route to Nehemiah in the end zone. Nehemiah is a great player, not great kid, great everything. But, I mean, he's 5'8"-ish tops. You know, we have Mason Tharp, 6'9", Baylor Cup, 6'6", Gerard Bradley, 6'3", Fungi, 6'2". You know, like, could we have not schemed up a better person to put in that position for a jump ball in the end zone? And that all kind of falls on on Kitley, you know? It's it's remarkable. And to Jack's point, it's almost like I don't even know what else to say at this point because we all watched it. We all saw it happen. What happens when a new quarterback comes in at any grade level, you know, like, from high school on up up the ranks, one that's not as experienced. What do they do? They run the ball. Like, I mean, I don't know shit about football in that regard, but I know if my number one quarterback goes down and then my number two is coming off the bench cold, it's, it's cold and rainy outside, I'm going to run the ball until they could stop me. And I'll still probably attempt to run the ball just because that's, that's what you need to do. That's how you settle in a quarterback get him into the game, get him a feel for the game. Then that run opens up some short passes, get some confidence for your QB moving forward, and then you take off from there. 
but you don't go in there. I know Morton's a good quarterback. He, hell, even a great quarterback. <clears throat> but he's coming off cold. Just like you said, he doesn't practice with the ones. Like you said, he work him into it. You know, you, you have training wheels on for a reason. Obviously, he's still in the training wheels protocol if you're not giving him full reins like Shuck had. Shuck wasn't making the right decisions. You know, that's, you know, not, neither here or there. But if you're if you're looking at the issue, you lost your scapegoat in Shuck by saying, well, Shuck was probably checking out of this or Shuck was probably doing this. Well, you don't have a scapegoat anymore, my guy. Like, you're, it's all on you. And if he's not on the hot seat by the end of the year with all of this stuff that's going on with our offense right now after four games, I mean, there's bigger questions to start asking, you know. There was a lot of drop passes. I think it was like seven on the game. Some maybe Mother Nature related. Some. No, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta. Like, the receivers have been shit. They've been terrible. I mean, call it, call it spade for a spade. They've been horrible. Right, and which I was getting, getting to, like the drops don't necessarily help a young quarterback. You not getting separation at the line does not help a young quarterback. You not running the football does not help a young quarterback. You know, like the all, all the signs are there. All the signs are there. Door here, door here, door here. This is a door you need to go through. Run the fucking football. That's it. Just run the ball. Help your guys out. You're not making anybody any better. Hell, I don't even know who our leading receiver on the game was. Xavier White. I think he had like three catches. Bradley had three for 30. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a mind-blowing deal. And why our top guys can't get open either is baffling to me. It's so crazy. Like, we had a worse offensive line last year, technically speaking, because they they pumped it up all this year. Oh, our line's even better than it was last year. Well, it didn't take much, but it's showing on paper that our line last year pass blocks relatively better so far it sucks man it it really sucks because there's all this talent on that side of the ball that's getting squandered all all this talent i think that that's like a super good point to make and, and i'm glad you made that because literally I, I i don't think it could be said any better your your o-line is is struggling to pass block so run the fucking ball you have a second string quarterback that came off cold run the fucking ball you have an all big 12 running back run the fucking ball you have receivers that are playing like shit and have played like shit for four games run the fucking ball i don't know how and this is a thing and this is why i get so upset about this and i know that we were all talking about this after the game i don't know what else you could possibly be looking for. I don't know what you could be looking at, and I don't know what on earth compels you to have your guy coming off the bench cold and throw the ball 37 times in this game. I I can't even fathom it. It's, it's mind-blowingly retarded. It really is. And it's... I... I didn't really think that – don't get me wrong. I wasn't coming out here this year expecting us to score 55 in every game, right? I wasn't even expecting – you know, I wasn't really expecting 35. You know, I would be happy with high 20s. The way the defense has been playing, high 20s still wins every single game. I mean, other than the Oregon game, I'm talking like as an average, Right. High 20s wins all four games at an average clip. So it's not rocket science. You are, all the signs are there to run the fucking ball. Why is that? If you, if us three sitting here, amateur QBs, amateur armchair offensive coordinators, and anyone listening to this, because I'm sure everyone feels the same way. If we can all see this, what the fuck is going on in that in that football training facility? What is happening? Because it's it's blatantly obvious to us three, especially, and we do this on the side for 
shits and giggles. So what is going on? Why is this guy getting paid a million dollars to be shit? I just don't get it. I just truly, I don't get it. See, this is something we have to talk about now because it's a, it's a problem that Joey McGuire specifically has to deal with. He's the only one who can. Uh, the only other person who could step in at this point is is probably, to be honest, Kirby Hocutt. Because Ho- I, I am telling you guys, if this hire ends up not working, if despite how much I believe in Joey McGuire, I believe in what he's trying to do, I think it'll work out. I think he's a guy. But if he can't get it done and this program doesn't get off the ground three, four years from uh, into the McGuire era, guys, Kirby Hocutt will not be your AD anymore. He will not be your AD anymore. He's had to fire five coaches. What are we, four or five coaches for scandals? The only reason that hasn't been a bigger problem to date is because Joey McGuire came in right when that shit picked up again with Mark Adams. But every program's fucking losing right now besides soccer. We're losing everywhere. Baseball's not winning. Basketball was dog shit last year with the guy McGuire, with the guy Hocutt picked. Football was the bright spot for the men's department outside of track. And I guess technically golf, but to be honest, you had the top overall golfer on earth at the amateur level, and you sucked. You were a middle-tier NCAA team with with, with fucking odd with Ludwig out there. How does that happen, by the way? I we got I, I want to know how that happens, where you have the top overall goal at college golfer and can't win. So every program's losing. So I'm telling you guys, the pressure, the only that there are two people who have to do something at this point with Zach Kitley, and it's either Kirby Hocutt needs to weigh in on with his head coach or the head coach needs to do it. And because I don't blame the fact that Joe McGuire is a CEO head coach doesn't bug me. I get that. You hire coordinators to manage the game while you focus on the other aspects of being a head coach, uh, calling timeouts, making fourth down decisions, uh, uh, recruiting, building culture, getting the team ready, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, process, process. But if you're not the X's and O's coach and the guy who is, is sucking at his job. And let's be clear here. This is unacceptable to put up 13 points against one of the worst defenses you'll play for the rest of the year you couldn't beat west virginia at the thing they're bad at you torch them at a thing they're actually kind of good at that west virginia front's not a joke there are a lot of good there's some horses on that defensive line and you torch them on the ground and you couldn't find a way to manufacture this because i understand you can't run taj brooks 50 times a game you can't you just can't do it but you only had you gave one other running back a carry in this game, and Martinez picked up eleven yards. If you don't want to run, if you don't want to run Taj forty times, and you want to run him, you say twenty five is his limit, which is what he hit in this game, which I obviously can't be the case in moments like this. You have Valdez, you have Martinez, you have Bryson Donnell. If you need to go deep, any of the those are all. Taj is obviously a very special back. Those are all serviceable backs. Because here's the thing. West Virginia gave the ball to C.J. Donaldson 15 times. They ran it 42. 30 of those carries went to Donaldson and Markiel. There were 12 carries that went to somebody else, 8 to a different back. Yeah, maybe the other back's not going to average 6 a carry. Maybe Martinez only averaged just 3 or 4. That's 3 or 4 more yards than we had for a lot of the first half. And the person who has to step into that office is Joey McGuire. And that's why Joey McGuire is as responsible for what happened as anybody. Because the buck stops at the top. At halftime, the conversation was clearly had with Kitley. Run the ball. But when you're at, when you get to first down at the 11 with two timeouts and Kitley calls to throw to the corner, the next conversation, the next word out of your mouth as a head coach on that second down is, hey, fuckhead, run the ball. When he does it again on second down, you know you're going to be four down territory. So third down's irrelevant. You just need to make fourth down manageable. You tell him, hey, fuckhead, seriously, run the ball. Because by the time you get to fourth down, it's too late. So I believe in what Coach McGuire is building. But what can sink him is if he does what's going on at Iowa, which is where you just sell out for your offensive coordinator. And you can't do it. 
Now, there's not going to be a change made this year. It's not going to happen. This offense can sputter into the ground all season. And by all accounts, we haven't seen anything to really suggest that's not what they're going to do. And there are other problems. We talked about the drops, the offensive line. I talked about just the fact that they can't block the base run scheme we want to do, which, of course, speaks to the fact they do straight line zone have done perfectly well. So that that's another thing with Kitley. But the point being, there are other problems with this offense. But if the offense of coordinator can't diagnose them, then he needs to be fired and someone brought in who can. We were sold that Kitley was an offensive genius. I'm two season ends, and I can still tell with almost absolute certainty what play Texas Tech will call based on the formation we line up in. It's gotten a bit better with the run game, but again, the run scheme's still idiotic. But it's too easy. It's too easy for us all to judge because we all can see the problem. The only guy who can't is the guy in the office, and it's unacceptable. It just is unacceptable. I think, it has to change. I think we're – this is kind of like reminding me. I don't know if either of y'all are getting flashes of this. And I think when we made the comparison, I believe we did this after the Wyoming game as a fucking joke. This game – if you go back and look at the just the score breakdown by quarter and like the plays ran and everything, this was eerily scary to the Wyoming game. Very comparable. Almost the exact same game. Again, it's almost the same weather, almost the same everything. Other than the only thing different was that we weren't playing at like super high altitude. But the thing I was going to say, this is getting to a point where this is reminding me of Matt Wells dying by the sword for fucking David Yost. And that's not long ago, folks. Like, if you really want to think about it, that was not that long ago. That was probably, like, what, four years ago? So, like, it was less than five years ago. So this is, we're in a we're in a point now where, I do not want to see the same thing happen to Joey McGuire. I agree with you, Megan. I think Joey McGuire's the guy. I think he's a dude. I think he's a great leader of young men. I think that he gets these guys to buy into the culture. And I think that he's done a hell of a job of getting a support staff around him to help him recruit. I don't think that we give those guys recruiting enough kudos because holy shit. I mean, they've they've really they've really outdone themselves over the past few weeks on the recruiting trail. But here's facts. I don't want Joey McGuire to fall into the same trap that Matt Wells did. Because you remember after I can't even remember fucking what year that was, that Kirby Hocutt went in there and said, Hey, Matt, it's time to get rid of David Yost. And Matt Wells told him no. And Kirby Hocutt did the probably one of the smartest things that he's done in his time as an AD at Tech and said, either you fire him or you're packing your bags with him and you're going to. And so he fucking fired him. We got Sonny Cumbie and everyone knows how the everyone knows how the rest of that went. This is giving me eerily similar shades of of Matt Wells and David Yost. Now, Kitley and McGuire don't have the same history that Wells and Yost had. You know, they don't go back three schools and sticking with them or whatever. Um, but I still truly believe that David Yost cost Matt Wells probably a shot at another coaching gig at, you know, a G5 school. I think he could have gone back to a school similar to Utah State and been just fine. Uh, truly, I do. But I think that he just hung out. He just stuck his neck out for David Yost a little too long. And I think that that's what truly doomed him. So I think that I just want to put that out there. I don't want this to happen to Joey McGuire. I don't want him to hitch his wagon to Zach Kitley. And if we see some sort of miraculous comeback by the end of this year, then great. I'm all for it. If he wakes the fuck up and starts running the fucking ball and starts calling games that are worth a shit, I would be so happy. I would be just over the moon happy that this has changed and something clicked in his head to call a somewhat, you know, com like comparable game. Like, just anything, right? 
like a cognizant game plan would be fantastic. The first 15 plays at Wyoming were fucking amazing. Just everything after that sucked ass. So, like I said, we see this. I don't know if y'all are seeing something similar or y'all are getting similar feelings to that. I don't know if it's progressed that far for y'all. But for me, I'm starting to get, like, those sort of, like, inklings. The, the the issue we're having, I think, as a program right now with, with Joey McGuire is he's so reluctant to run the program the way it has to be run at this level. Because I, I guarantee you at the high school level, I, I would be shocked to find out Joe McGuire ever actually stepped in and interfered with how his guys called the offense and the defense. He's never called. Guys, he at no level has Joey McGuire ever been involved in play calling. That has never been his bag. And and that's not a and that's not a problem. Plenty of coaches don't really get involved with how the offense and defense are called during a game. But the CEO coaches at this level are guys like Nick Saban. The only guys who can do it have been built true regimes, and they do it by identifying peak talent. And you're watching what's happening to Alabama now that they keep bleeding coordinators every year. Eventually, you're bound to pick the wrong one. Saban has attracted top-tier coaching talent for a long time because of what he's built at Bama. But, I mean, another example is look what happened to Clemson. The second Brett Venables left, that team's gone to shit. And you can blame NIL, but the truth is he lost the best defensive coordinator in the game. He did. I have no idea Venables is going to make it as a head coach because the other problem is having a head coach who only cares about one side of the ball, a la Cliff Kingsbury. The coaches who are the most successful are guys like McGuire who realize during a game, I can step in and tell what tell a guy like Kitley what to do. I don't have to tell him what play to call, but I can be like, hey, you got to run the ball here. Hey, you got you. If if Deruder's not getting it done, hey, you got a blitz here, because you're the head coach and they can't tell you no. And granted, you'll be wrong on occasion. You're going to trust your coordinators. That's how this works. But it's unacceptable to me that in these situations, there's no accountability right now, and that that's my problem. Because as fans, we don't have any recourse to hold these guys accountable. We really don't, other than not showing up. And that's not that's not okay either. The team needs you to show up. So the guy who's got to hold the coordinators accountable, the guy who has to hold the program accountable, is Joey McGuire. And that's learning how to balance the fact that okay, I'm not going to be calling plays for this team, but how do I communicate to my offensive coordinator my displeasure in a way that gets him to do what needs to be done? That can be as simple as sitting in on some of those meetings and saying, "Hey, we're seeing this film, right? You're seeing what Taj is doing, right? You're telling me we can't build on this, right?" And it doesn't have to be, all right, I'm going to call, you know, uh, read option right on this particular play. It could be as simple as that. Just a quick conversation. You got to get him the ball more. You don't want to run him more than 25 times. Get the other backs a chance. We got to change our, we got to change our distribution of plays. I saw an argument that was happening somewhere, which was talking about the fact that, like, well, passing offenses are better in college football. I agree. You have to be able to throw the ball to actually succeed in college football. The balance, the trick to this is everything Tech wants to do, its best possessions are all happening when teams don't think we're just throwing it deep or throwing a screen. Because and like if, if you're that predictable and you don't have, right now, the receivers aren't holding up there into the bargain that well, neither are the quarterbacks. So the guy who is holding up his end of the bargain, the guy who is allowing your team to do more is Taj Brooks. You want to open up your passing attack? Get play action involved. Let Morton settle into games. Make it so we're not in third and eight every fucking series. I don't know how many third and longs we had, but way too damn many. So that's the conversation McGuire has to have. And I think I, I, I think it is an apt comparison to say this sank Matt Wells. I thought some really good tech teams came through the Matt Wells era and just got buried by the fact that you had an offensive coordinator who refused to get out of their way and ever give them a serious chance. So how do you manage that as a coach who's not really going to call plays? It's a conversation. It's it's a reminder that I hired you, I can fire you if this doesn't change, and I won't have a choice. And it's an understanding that we play big boy football at this level. This is not, you know, happy feelings camp. I don't give a shit that Kitley's dad is the track coach. I don't give a shit that Kitley is a tech tie guy. I don't even really give a shit that Zach Kitley's done a pretty good job recruiting. It's about wins. And when you're the reason we're not winning right now, you got to get out of the way or get fucking run over by the train. So, and the train has to be Joe McGuire. 
if you had i i just want to ask both of y'all the same question and i just want it like one word quick because i know we're running close to end on time here if you could describe the offensive identity in less than five words maybe could you because I have no fucking clue what this offensive identity is. I have no, I have no earthly idea. I didn't know it when Tyler Shuck was still, when when he wasn't injured. Like I truly don't know what to call the offense. I, I don't know if it's a uh, pass heavy, run heavy. Uh, like are we are we getting it? Are we play action? I I don't think I think that that's a huge problem. I don't think we have an identity on offense. We truly don't. I, I think every game, it's kind of like before or before every game, I should say, these kids are waiting to get the 15-play script that you start the game with. And every week, they're kind of just like, geez, what is this guy going to put on here this week? Because they don't fucking know. You know, I, I don't. could you describe it in five words or less? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know what to call it as like, yeah, as if it's like a West coast deal, but I, I would call it some, a book. Where's Waldo and Waldo being our offensive coordinator, where's he at? Because yeah, he's there in the flesh, but where's he at? I mean, he's, he's never to be found since that first game against Wyoming. The inconsistency has been, that's it. That's what we should call our offense inconsistency. Let's less than five words because it's inconsistent across the board with the exception. And I mean, it's Taj is pulled into it just because of what Kitley's done. I mean, he's done stuff the last two games, the first three games, he was pretty much, well, I'm sorry. The first two games, he was pretty much a non-factor. The last two games we've got him involved, but I mean, identity wise, I mean, inconsistent. That's just all we are because it's never the same or we could be a mixed bag, you know, Grab, grab a handful. You don't know what you're going to get. Actually, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and what I think is happening is Zach Kittley is trying to do what, uh, what, um, what, uh, uh, oh, this is going to, I just had the, the, the idea. He's trying to do what every air raid coordinator descendant tries to do. And this is a conversation again I had on Addicted to Quack at length. And it's it's this idea that like Mike what Mike Leach did was unique. So our identity has to be that, but like slightly different. So as a result of this, you just get this weird at some point you reach critical mass where there just isn't any new spins on this shit anymore. So what we're getting now is probably closest related to what Lincoln Riley wants to do, but fucking worse. Because number one, Lincoln Riley's a total dick. But Lincoln Riley's really, really good at calling plays, and he's always had the athletes to execute them. We don't have the offensive line to execute that power gap scheme that we're trying to do here. We don't have the quarterback stability to really just lean on just dynamic talent back there. Morton's still a developmental project. Shuck's injuries completely derailed his development. And as a result of this, we're stuck with this offense. We're like, okay, well, we can't do that, what I actually want to do. So we're just going to try a bunch of bullshit over here and see if it works. And as a result of that, I mean, if you look at the play distribution in this game, uh, I, I think the story here isn't the fact that the offense is, it has been unbalanced at times, but it wasn't really this game. I mean, we threw the ball definitely more than we needed to, but you still had, you know, if you just take the, 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 the called runs and, I, it's hard. ESPN doesn't deduct. They add sack totals into this as a rush attempt. So probably 34, maybe 30 total rushes in this game versus 43 passes. And we all know that like that's balanced, but it's balanced for balance's sake. Because most of those rushes came in the second half, and we should have thrown the ball 20 times less in the rain with a backup quarterback. So I think he's just like, it's the smartest guy in the room is what I call our offense at this point. I can't do what anybody thinks I'm supposed to do because they think I'm supposed to do it. And as a result, we don't have any identity. There's not, there hasn't been anything to hang our hat on in years. I mean, we had these same conversations last year about the ground game, how much more effective it was, how we couldn't seem to use it when we needed to. And there's like an example of when Kitley actually showed a pulse and adjusted to what a defense was showing him and started to run the ball or take the ball out of the back hands when a defense adjusted to that. And I 
thought, you know, where you saw that kind of towards the end of the year, I thought we were going to see more of it this year, but we're back to the original problem, which is I've got a game plan. If it doesn't work, go fuck yourself because I said it should work because I'm smarter than the defensive coordinator. And honest to God against West Virginia, if you can't outsmart that brain trust, we got a serious problem. All right. I'm going to bring the show to an end here. This was obviously a longer show than I thought we were going to have just because I think the offense is just so broken right now. Fundamentally, um, hopefully this this will be the last we really talk about this game before we start looking ahead. Only maybe offensive defense player of the week. We may not even have an offensive player of the week because the answer is Taj Brooks and he won, I think, last week. And there's just no sense in pointing out the obvious. So we're going to be looking ahead to U of H. That is a critical game for the staff to fix their grades. If you can't tell by the tone of our voice, and I think what you're seeing elsewhere from Red Raider fans, time is running out on Zach Kitley's tenure as an offensive coordinator. We're all hoping he turns it around. I love being wrong. I just don't think I am here. He doesn't look like he's got it. But if I'm wrong and we come out and put on an offensive display, fantastic. It means we're winning football games, folks. So that's what all we should be hoping for. And in the meantime, as always, like, subscribe, follow, whatever you do, whatever major podcasting platform will be there. Shoot us a comment, DM us, whatever, however you want to contact us. We'd love to hear from you guys and hear what you want us to talk about. Have a good rest of your week. Wreck them and good night.